Um, hi, I'm Lisa Rains from Pride Road, um, the architectural practice franchise business, and I'm well joined by Samita. Hi, Samita. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, so I'm, I'm very pleased that Lisa's invited me to this event. Uh, it's really exciting to be with you all. Um, so I wanted to say that I work very flexibly, so I was very pleased to see Lisa's uh, concept as well. I do six different things, so I work as an architect, I teach, I write books, um, I set up a charity that uh, has worked internationally and in the UK. Um, I, was, uh, <clears throat> I also do some bits and pieces for the RIBA. Um, and I, I'm a trustee of two other um, trusted charities, uh, architecture charities. And I'm also a non-executive director of Moorfields Eye Hospital Foundation Trust, mm -hmm. where I chair the People and Culture Committee, and I sit on the Capital Investment Scrutiny Committee and Quality and Safety Committees. Um, and I'm also part of the Sustainable Development Group in, um, at the Public Health England. So there's a very sort of strong health and sustainability focus in what I do. Um, Pride Road has a strong focus on women and also parent and carer architects. What do you think practices large and small can do to provide for a better work-life balance and better mental health in our sector? Yeah, so I, I used to be chair of Women in Architecture and I kind of reorganized it. It used to be called Women Architects Group, by the way, before when I joined, <clears throat> which is, stands for WAG. <laughs> so I changed the name to Women in Architecture mm -hmm. and I chaired it and I made it much more of a focus group uh, geared towards employment mm -hmm. and equal opportunities. So we are... Uh, <clears throat> We are, what we're doing is uh, we are, um, uh, you know, we've been looking at this for a long time. So when I was chairing the, the group, it was that we had 8% women. Yeah. And right now we have 28% women, which means that in sort of about 20 years, it's gone up by 1%, which isn't good enough. And uh, during the second year of my chairmanship, we produced this report, which is called uh, Why Women Leave Architecture, which uh, you can download our offline um, for free mm -hmm. um, but um, one of the things that pointed uh, to the fact that such few women were joining architecture or rather they were dropping out of architecture during studies was because of this um, work-life balance um, <coughs> and uh, you know women who had children small children they just couldn't manage it mm -hmm. um, so um, I think one of the things is that, um, uh, you know, with Pride Road, what you've achieved looks like you've managed to achieve um, giving women work and sharing work uh, and, and as well as having work-life balance. I remember, Lisa, you said yesterday, was it yesterday, your son's birthday? Mm -hmm. And I was great. You know, I just thought that's really good. You can say that. Mm -hmm. and go off and do a family thing and i watched the video as well of um, this other lady that's uh, part of the scheme and it seems that you do offer a very open and uh, flexible scheme for women mm -hmm. so um i think uh, bigger and larger practices maybe need to kind of um take that on and and now with covid we've realized we can work very flexibly we don't need to be at the desk all the time 
Um, and also, thirdly, I would like to ask, uh, add is that um, I'm a trustee of the Architects Benevolent Society. Mm -hmm. And um, mental stress is, um, you know, a big issue. Well-being is a big issue. So if architects need that support, they can always, you know, come to um, the um, Architects Benevolent Society and we'll try and help you. That's great. So there's certainly a lot of uh, a lot of things that, that you're doing, and 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 it's great to see someone who's actively participating in it. There's a lot of rhetoric. In the, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, sort of, I, um, I, I was, um, I'm a chartered architect with 20 years experience, um, and I've been made redundant twice whilst on maternity oh, wow. leave. Oh no, illegal, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but rather, rather than fighting, I just put my energies into setting up a practice back in 2010. And then by 2012, I found that I'd, I'd got a really strong business model that um, was actually suited the work-life balance. Yeah. And so by concentrating just on the domestic residential sector, just the kind of low end of the market, we found that we could streamline our numbers. So we knew our conversion rates from um, um, sort of marketing to inquiries, inquiries to a free initial consultation and then a free initial consultation into a workshop, which is a paid piece of work. Um, and then into projects. Once I'd got a handle on that, I knew that we could turn it into, you know, it, it, we have a product, we've got our services delivered in a sort of in a product. Um, and I can then share it. So we've, I've created systems around it, quite sophisticated systems, lots of really strong lead generation. Um, and what what i actually do tend to find women that uh, people that come and talk to me their biggest fear is how do we find clients and it's confidence as well and by sort of packaging that up with the the numbers and the robustness of the business plan you know we've we've got a very enticing offer and and we off we operate as a um as a franchise business so people come and buy a license to operate a franchise um, within their sort of chosen territory so so from i think I've, I've kind of digressed a bit but from the idea from the issue of realizing that there was a problem in the industry about this this huge fall off of, of women leaving at various stages um, and i was i shared um women in property northwest back in 2010 or something like that and and the um northwest solo practitioners group um sort of around 2012 um and then the sat on the riba national council between 2015 and 2018 everyone's talking about it but not many people are actually doing anything to solve the problem mm. So it's 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 good to sort of find people who who are okay. So Samita, have you got any questions that you'd ask like to ask of our audience? Sure. I think um, you know a lot of people leave the RIBA 
and they're not happy with the RIBA. They never say, oh, we're leaving the RIBA because of this. And then you hear back from them, they say, oh, we left because of this, this, this. And we say, oh, we could have changed that. You know, I would have campaigned and helped you to change that. But if they don't tell us what's wrong, why they're not members, we can't do anything. So um, we need to know what, what they think should be changed. Okay. Yeah. Right, so type in your questions now if you've got an agenda item that you want um, Samita to talk about. Let's um, see, I'll try and look at the chat. Let's yes. See. Okay, yeah. All right, so no questions. No the questions. So in, in the meantime, um, just coming back to sort of an issue that does tend to sort of challenge people when they want to set up on their own or get that work-life balance um you know confidence is usually a limiting factor um so have you got any tips for sort of being more confident in the in the workplace um i think with confidence is you have to put yourself out there so when I became a member of the board at this NHS Foundation Trust, I'd never had um, experience in um, chair, chairing a committee. I didn't have experience, board experience I didn't have. There were several things I didn't know. Uh, but you, know, you just have to put up yourself out there and then say, I'm going to find out all I can about this and then do it. I think a lot of women sort of don't do that. And a lot of, I find that this is a difference between men and women. You know, men will apply for jobs when they haven't had any experience at all, as we have seen in the election of the US president. And um, <laughs> so, and, and the, the woman who had all that experience didn't win the election. Mm -hmm. So it is a very strange thing that men feel confident enough to do that. And I think we can also um, look at that in a positive way. I think that's what women need to do, to push themselves out and say, okay, I will do it. It's hard enough for women, you know, it's really hard. So unless you're pushing yourself out there, um, you know, uh, saying, uh, saying like talking about ambitions and stop being so modest, you know, just, just go for it. Mm. So we've had um, uh, a comment from Catalina and she says, um, so in response to how can the RIBA help more, she says, I, I think more support for women in the profession would help. Seminars, workshops on how to deal with specific issues like dealing with sexism, negotiating salaries and challenging the pay gap. Absolutely. I mean, uh, thank you, Catalina. That's one of the things I want to do. And if you go to my website, you will see that I have said that all practices, practices should embrace equal opportunity. Now, it's very important because once they say that they have an equal opportunity policy, and then they're saying that they're not, um, you know, they, there's pay gap issues there or sexism, mm -hmm. you can challenge them. So mm -hmm. if they haven't got it up there, then it's more difficult. I know you can challenge them anyway, because this day and age, you shouldn't be having to deal with this sort of stuff. But um, I think the thing is, and also document stuff. You know, a lot of people forget they, you know, all the stuff is that's happening to them. So yesterday I was um, 
watching um, something about um, you know sex discrimination and a lot of women were terrified to actually talk openly about it because mm -hmm. they felt there'd be recrimination against them so i think to to stop feeling that and 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 also get other women with you so in this particular case i watched there were three women supporting each other and that's how they won their case so try and form groups because women need each other you know how men have their sort of um, you know what would we call it the men boys club yeah boys club yeah. let's have some women's clubs <laughs> Absolutely. So this probably takes us nicely on to um, sort of what are the uh, principles at the heart of your RIBA campaign to be president? Okay, so the first thing we said was um, um, that diversity, which is not just diversity of um, thoughts and work practices, but diversity of people. And that kind of diversity collaborating together gives you real innovation. So one of the reasons why architecture is lagging behind other sectors, although it's a creative sector, is because we don't have this diversity. So if you look at, um, you look at like say the music industry, which borrows from different um, places, you look at fashion industry that borrows ideas uh, from different places, um, you don't have that, you know, architecture is sort of a bit slow moving thing. So you create a building and that's it. <laughs> so it doesn't seem to have um, changed in the 90s, 50s, you know, whatever fashion has changed, music has changed, but architecture remains the same. You know, there's this um, idea of this monumental iconic building um, that, you know, that needs to um, be used. So I think uh, we need to use more of that. And the other idea um, behind is that um, I have the experience. So I've been on a board, mm. I've been um, writing, teaching, you know, setting up charities. I have a very rounded experience that I bring because you just got two years to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So you, you need to hit the ground running. You know, you just haven't got time to learn the ropes. Mm -hmm. So I, I bring that experience and what I want to do as a woman uh, leader is to have empathetic leadership. I want to have effective communication. You know, I think women are quite good at that. You know, you go on the RIBA website, you can't find anything really. Mm -hmm. So I want to improve things like that. I want to use uh, online digital platforms uh, to communicate with members, whether they're uh, London regions or international I don't think there's enough international collaboration between members and that's a real a sad thing and uh, we need participative decision making as well so uh, is another thing you know we don't have enough engagement between members so I'm talking of things like an online digital council chamber where you know members can meet councillors because we need to know what the problems are why people are leaving the RIBA or why they're unhappy with the RIBA. We need to really know that. So those are the, I don't know if that answers your question for the rambling way, but it is all there on my website. It, so, it, um, what, what's your website um, come up? So that's www.ecologicarchitects.com. That's E-C-O-L-O-G-I-C-architects.com. Thank you. Awesome. 
So if you had just one agenda item that you tried to get through yeah. the RIBA, a single agenda item, what would it be? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to be a single ticket person because, um, you know, there, there are several ways of attacking the same problem. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd like to have this sort of um, multi-pronged approach, if you can call it. You know, if you, if you like, say, for example, you know, if you say you go to the GP, uh, he or she gives you a, a headache pill every time despite having different problems, that's not gonna work. You know, if you've broken your leg, you need a plaster. <laughs> if you've got some, some other stuff going on, you don't need a headache pills for everything. So I don't want to have a single ticket thing, but I think this idea of um, innovation coming from diversity and collaboration, I think is, is um, a good one to remember because we really need that in architecture. Mm. Uh Geographic origin of architectural qualification and migration status influence the experience of ethnic minority female architects and female migrant architects from the Commonwealth living and working in the UK. The RIBA and ARB do not directly recognise any qualifications outside of the UK and EU. Um, is there anything that we can do to or you could do to address the issue within the RIBA to help that change that? Okay, so that's that's a good question because I came from India. I didn't study my part one and two in the UK. I did those in India, but I did them in a school that was RIBA validated. Mm -hmm. So all I had to do was um, sort of get them uh, validated here in the UK. Was that an easy process to get it validated in the UK? Yeah. So if, you, if you've done your education in an RIBA validated school abroad, you can bring your portfolio and, you know, it is a bit expensive now. I, I think mine was £70 or something. But these days, these days I think it's more than um, £1,000. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a horrific amount. So you, this is still possible to do that. The problem is that... Um, for instance, in India, there's not a single school of architecture that's um, that is RIBA validated anymore. There used to be, I think, yeah, there there used to be a five or six. Mm. Um, there isn't a single school in um, you know in Nigeria. I mean, I I can just give a list. You you'll find a list of validated schools on the RIBA website. Mm. So if you have a look and if you've done a course that is already validated all you have to do is bring your portfolio and show it to someone at the arb so um that is the thing you know so what i would like to do again it's mentioned in my um uh, manifesto is to diversify education so that actually at the moment the validation criteria are not diverse enough to accommodate different needs you know for example we talk about vme and ethnicity and all that I mean, what doesn't make any sense in India, you know, it doesn't make any sense anywhere. It is very specifically British mm -hmm. or you could say US, for example. But, um, you know, it won't make sense outside uh, the US or UK or, you know, just outside the sort of white Western nations. So things like that, we need to be aware of these cultural issues and then, you know, take that into account. Um, so the validation criteria has to be changed, architectural education has to be diversified and also, you know, we, we just want to expand 
the numbers of schools that the RIBA is doing it. Because to have, you know, the RIBA is an international brand and to have the RIBA after your name, it, you know, it's very good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, please tell us about this, um, this franchise that you've set, set up and how hard was it and how long did it take and uh, what support you've had from the RIBA? What support have I had from the RIBA? <laughs> Not very much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went on my own in 2010. I had the idea about the franchise in 2012. Um, and then it took me four years to actually go through the process and realise that this kind of franchising was, was the best solution, was a, a, the right solution, I think, for me. Um, and then launched it in 2016. Mm -hmm. So when you um, sort of in order to launch a franchise, you need to have um, an operations manual, a prospectus, a website, um, you know, branding, collateral um, and a franchise agreement with the solicitor. It's, it's, it's like um, it's like buying a house. So, you know, the, there's quite so it when people want to come and join us there's a process of due diligence we've got to see if you know they're a good fit for us but also if we're a good fit for them um, we ask someone to we work with them to develop a business plan uh, sort of look at cash flow forecasts what they want to achieve and how we're going to do it um, and that kind of joining process for uh, a potential franchisee actually you know can take um, anything from two months to two years, depending on where, where they're up to. Um, so sort of on, on the flip side, sort of I've, I've had to create all of those kind of systems and support and team and sort of learn a lot of things very quickly. Um, it's quite niche franchising. So I've kind of like, you know, a sort of, I'm a member of um, uh, EWIF, which is encouraging women into franchising because, again, you know, we start to see the other side of uh, another industry. Um, and um, it, just taking advice from lots of people, it's quite good. But yeah, no, it's, it's probably cost me quite a bit to <laughs> set everything up in time as well as money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's we've got a really sophisticated system of processing information, um, which just helps uh, manage projects and sort of manage clients and actually be, you know, it, it goes back to the heart of we're then able to deliver our sort of our best service, which is architecture, because we're not, you know, all the kind of business stuff. Um, we've dealt with we know what we're doing we're on top of it it's not guesswork um, yeah. you know so all the pain of that's gone so we can just concentrate on you know on design and helping clients absolutely yeah um just about um and th this actually rings quite true with me as well um so catalina again says i feel like there's a a culture a culture of celebrating overtime work um, you know, our practice leaders tend to tell us all the time that they work till one or two in the morning, which it makes everyone guilty. 
<laughs> and is there a way that the RIBA could promote a healthier way of working? Absolutely, you know, so what I think uh, we could do is uh, we need to um, uh, stop this sort of, it's, it's a very macho kind of uh, world where there's this uh, presentism as it used to be called. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, you arrive early and you stay for as long as you can. And then you're constantly saying, I'm so busy, I'm so busy and all that sort of thing. So in, actually it's funny because after um, with the COVID lockdown and you're working from home, people have discovered that you're actually, uh, to, there was a survey done by Stanford um, uh, School and they discovered that people are actually 20% more efficient mm. when they're working remotely. Um, obviously, you know, there are times you need to go into the office and things like that, but they're actually more uh, efficient working in this way flexibly and it wasn't like okay that person sitting at home they're just home educating their kids and this was done this was an experiment done uh, before the covid pandemic which is very interesting mm. so um i think this idea might just go out the window you know with the pandemic people have realized you can work from home everybody mm. had to do it even the prime minister had to do it Mm. So this this uh, this idea this might be one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic, um, and um, and obviously you know I said before that um, mental health stress is is a big thing, and um, I am a trustee of the Architects Benevolent Society. If we can offer any help to any architects, we'd like to do that. Um, but basically, what we're saying is try and have a work-life balance and it's achievable uh insist your um you know office doesn't give you all this um uh, you know stuff that you know we're so busy because really nobody's that busy <laughs> okay well thank you very much smita for joining us today um thank and you. just good luck with the uh thank you very much i hope you enjoy the process <laughs> It is very hard. I'll be, if I get elected, I'll be the first uh, minority ethnic woman president uh, who has actually completed their part one and part two outside the UK. So it's quite a historic um, occasion, but I feel that, you know, I do have a good chance. You know, there's all the social movements going on um, at the moment. And I think, I think you were, you need to really kind of catch that spirit and say okay let's move on let's change things and that's what i called my campaign change for architects fantastic so we've just had a few messages coming through saying thank you samita you're a great inspiration thank you luck. thank you very thank much you. everyone catalina sarjit and trina lovey and then there is srinita thank you so much Okay, right. I'll say uh, thanks, uh, everyone, for joining and um, good luck. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.